that's just such a beautiful thing about testing is you can see it in black and white, you know, that, that it's happening, what's happening within your chemistry. It reveals versus the antidepressants where you're just guessing and you, you don't know if you're taking something that's going to jive with your body chemistry or not. Taking these nutrients really helped me get into balance. And, and it's been, you know, a great healing journey for me. I've really come out of it and didn't know that I could. You're listening to Eat for Life, the show that aims to help you identify the root causes of what ails you so you can heal and live the life you are meant for. I'm your host, Sammy G. As I continue this month's focus on women's health, today I am honored to share in an intimate conversation with Deb Sheasley Tokars, copper toxicity survivor and author of ICU Copper a wonderful book about her very open and honest experience with copper toxicity and with whom I've been honored to walk alongside in her healing journey. For many years, Deb suffered from severe anxiety, depression, and fatigue, and was often dismissed by her doctors and the trap of one-size-fits-all treatments, which led her to uncover how biochemical imbalances were the root causes of her suffering. Welcome, Deb. Thanks so much for being with me today. I am really excited to have you. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be your guest. You know, in episode 10, I spoke with Dr. Bowman, our mutual doctor, and we talked a lot about copper toxicity and the ins and outs of it, and also busted some myths that are out there, some some rather dangerous myths. Today, I am just so excited to talk about your journey. Uh, with ICU Copper, you've written uh, a wonderfully raw, honest, and heartbreaking story of healing and redemption about a simple biochemical imbalance, what we call copper overload or copper toxicity, and how that was misdiagnosed as mental illness. I'm curious, Deb, can you just start us off with what prompted you to want to write about your experience? Well, having found out finally what was causing my anxiety and depression, it was such a relief. And I felt that there had to be other women out there that might be experiencing the same thing. And I wanted to reach out and create an awareness and maybe help anybody who is suffering unnecessarily. So it was really important to me to write the book, not just for me to express you know, what I had went through. It was more about helping others know that there is hope and that healing is possible. I love that. Thank you. And bless you for being so vulnerable and raw and open. It's not easy to share some of the things that you've shared with us in this wonderful book. I know for, for me being a practitioner as well as a patient, I have shared a lot of vulnerable things over the years, especially on social media and on my website. And there have been times where I've thought, gosh, should I really be sharing this? You know, is this something that I should really be doing? Because it's, it's kind of a scary proposition. But as you so eloquently said, when we are vulnerable, when we share our stories, it creates healing in other people. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we share what we share and the knowledge that we have and the journeys that we've been on. So I just uh, want to thank you again for having the courage to write this wonderful book. You know, as I shared, you and I had this condition in common. And when I read your book, I was blown away by the similarities in our stories and how this imbalance, which is often genetic, 
has impacted the women in my family. Have you noticed this in your family as well? I believe it is within my family. You know, there is anxiety and, you know, I've witnessed some undiagnosed depression. So I believe it's there, but no one else has been tested or, um, you know, gone as the lengths that I have gone. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that as well. <laughs> uh, so Deb, share with us, when did you actually start to experience depression and anxiety? What did that look like in your life? Yeah, anxiety and depression started in my early 20s, right after I started birth control pills. And during that time, it was a lot of change going on. I was newly married. I just moved into a new apartment with my new husband. I became a mm -hmm. stepmom. There was a lot of stress and change going on. So I didn't, and actually my gynae at that time, didn't recognize or identify that birth control could have been the reason why I was having those symptoms. Mm -hmm. I can certainly relate to the birth control and any kind of hormone replacement therapy, which I know that you, you ha have an experience in that regard as well, which we'll talk about in a, in, a, in a bit. But I get the most comments on my blog about the copper IUD, birth control, and copper toxicity just in general, because most women and doctors, as you know, are unaware of the connection between estrogen and copper, as well as hormone replacement therapy and, and things like progesterone, which can stimulate estrogen receptors. There is a direct link between the two. Whenever I get a comment on my blog about how a woman, her life has been totally turned upside down after starting birth control and especially the copper IUD, because as you know, that is a method of birth control that's touted as safe, but you put that in quotes, safe, because it's not a, a hormonal form of, of birth control, which we know isn't true because obviously we don't want copper in the body when there is copper overload, because that's just going to increase those levels. So I really appreciate you touching on that. And also the stress piece. Right. We know that stress is such a huge trigger and stress can also cause a body to release a really, really important nutrients, uh, zinc being critical when we're dealing with a, a copper toxicity challenge and the importance of the balance between copper and zinc. I, I talked a lot about that with Dr. Bowman, our mutual doctor uh, in this area. You know, I, I'm just, the symptoms that you describe in your book, especially the symptoms that increased after the birth of your daughter. Right. Uh, can you share with us, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, I can share that. I just wanted to comment on that copper IUD. I actually had a reader co uh, contact me who searched and read my book. And there, she had a daughter who had a, a copper IUD, and she was having a lot of the same symptoms and even worse. I mean, she was actually headed to a psych ward because yeah. she had flipped out. And she contacted me and said that the doctor refused to move it, remove the IUD, said that it, that was not the cause and had her on all sorts of psychiatric drugs. And it just amazes me that, you know, the number of people who have reached out to me from my book and have commented about the similar symptoms and, you know, are just lost and because doctors are not connecting the copper to those symptoms. Oh, gosh, that breaks my heart. I'm so... 
again, so grateful that you wrote this book and that women are reaching out to you and finally getting answers and we're, we're able to help them because we know that when copper gets really high and, and Dr. Bowman and I talked about this as well, that we see what's called postpartum psychosis. Mm -hmm. And we've had incidents where, and I'm not going to name names because I just want to honor the people involved, but we've had incidents where women have drowned their children. Right. This happened many years ago in Texas. And it was clear that this woman was severely overloaded in copper. Mm -hmm. And I just think, gosh, what could have happened had we gotten to her in time? You know, right. how could that story have changed for her and her family? So thank you for speaking into that and sharing that story, because I think that's going to really be powerful for those that are listening. After my daughter was born, I had uh, suffered postpartum depression, uh, which many women do. And it was, you know, it was postpartum depression. It wasn't the new mom nervousness. Um, mm -hmm. I actually had reached out to my OBGYN and even my daughter's pediatrician. And I told him how tired and sad I was feeling. And um, they both kept telling me, oh, you're a new mom. You're tired. That's normal. And, you know, back then, my daughter was born in early 90s. No one talked about postpartum depression. You know, it really wasn't brought to the forefront at that time. Right. And so, you know, I found myself as a woman, you know, just you got to suck it up because you've got a newborn to take care of. So I went on with those symptoms, dealing with them the best I could. And uh, pretty scary that, you know, doctors, you know, were not there and available to help or understood postpartum. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That breaks my heart uh, to hear that because it's still going on, even though I know, as you shared, we're talking about the 90s here. And even as much as we progressed, you know, 20 years later, it, it's still something that I'm hearing every single week in my clinic and in the women that I work with. Mm -hmm. Well, my doctor just wants to write me a script for an SSRI, which is an antidepressant, and send me off to, you know, a psychiatrist or a psychologist for some kind of talk therapy be supported. And, and I, uh, please don't misunderstand me. I am a big fan of therapy, but you and I both know that therapy isn't going to work when there's a biochemical issue. We have to, and Dr. Mensa and Dr. Bowman and I have talked about this a lot. We have to look at the biochemistry first and the therapy can go so much more smoothly and be so much more impactful for the patient once the biochemistry is balanced or, you know, they've started on that path to feeling better. And the mm -hmm. tools that you get from a really good therapists such as cognitive behavioral therapy or things like EMDR. There's lots of therapies out there, polyvagal therapy, things like that. Those things, again, the brain is going to be able to work with those types of tools and techniques in a much greater capacity because the, the chemistry is balanced. So again, just so appreciate you sharing that. And then also lead into when you had also taken hormone replacement therapy and that was prescribed for you as well. How are the symptoms continuing with that? Yeah. Um, when I started um, hormone replacement drugs, I, I mean, I just want to first say they were wonderful for controlling my hot flashes and, and um, my night sweats. They were great for that. But I also felt depression come back in very strong and anxiety whenever I started those drugs. 
And when I told my endocrinologist that I was um, having those symptoms of sadness, he immediately wanted to give me an antidepressant. And just like you said, um, these doctors, you know, as soon as you mentioned that you're feeling sad, that's the first thing to do is get a script pad out and they're ready to write for an antidepressant. And it just amazed me how many doctors that I had seen that didn't have psychiatric training that was that were prescribing antidepressants. Mm, exactly. Yes. And, and no testing was done whatsoever. It was just based off of me, a depressed, sad person telling them my feelings. So no mm. testing was done. And it pretty much was guesswork, you know, try this one or try that one. Yeah, let's just kind of put it all out on the table and see what works. And that, and unfortunately, that's never effective. And that's why testing is so critical. I appreciate you touching on that, Deb, because in in functional medicine, we have this, this saying, test before you guess. But lab testing, especially when we're looking at things like copper toxicity and some of the other imbalances that we work with, such as methylation, pyrrole disorder, zinc deficiency, et cetera, it's really, really critical to get those tested first because as you experienced, you can take a medication, you can take an antidepressant or birth control or hormone replacement therapy and have a really severe reaction to it, depending on where your chemistry is, whether it's copper or under methylation, which we've talked about in previous episodes, and just making sure that the nutrients and or medications that are prescribed are really truly going to be appropriate for you and your chemistry. And, and your story speaks so beautifully to the importance of, hey, let's take a step back and let's do some more investigation. You know, let's back it up and let's look at the whole picture here. If it's all right with you, Deb, I would love to read a passage from your book. This is from chapter 11. And um, this really hit me because I've experienced this myself where, you know, I've been dismissed by doctors. And I remember being eight years old actually was the first time my parents put me on Prozac. And then when I was 17, I was prescribed Zoloft and it made me bonkers. I couldn't sleep. My anxiety was through the roof. And I remember being on the phone and I can still see it to this day. You know, this was back before cell phones. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had a dial up phone in the house. Wow, what a concept. And I, I just, I remember her saying, well, that's, that's not a big deal. I'll just write you a script for a sleep aid. Oh. And you'll be fine. I, I knew it's interesting because even at 17, I knew this was wrong and I would continue to suffer for years and years, just like you, mm -hmm. um, uh, before figuring out what the actual issue was. So, so I, I would love to read this. And this is page 64, chapter, chapter 11, trauma. When I couldn't take it anymore, I met with my OBGYN and told her that what I was experiencing was more than just standard exhaustion and that I did not think I could handle the impending baby. I explained to her that I was barely functioning. She immediately prescribed Prozac, there's that Prozac again, and gave me the name of a psychologist who dealt with pre and postpartum cases. The psychologist, after listening to me agonizingly explain what was happening, responded that I had to do what felt right to me. I'm not a mental health professional, but they are supposed to be trained to recognize when someone is falling apart and should not advise making life-changing decisions in the middle of obvious distress. 
She then added that she would be there to support whatever decision I made. I was stunned with disbelief. So if I decided to jump off a cliff, she would be there to support my decision? I received no psychological insight about why I couldn't cope, no words of wisdom about how my decision may impact my future, and no compassion. Wow. When I read that, I just, I sobbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that trauma in my life, you know, impacted me for many years to come. And that's, that's what set me on the whirlwind of um, antidepressant health um, one after another, just trying one after another to try to cope with that trauma and the, you know, the lack of support and all these antidepressants, they just added more side effects, uncomfortable side effects. You know, I gained weight, which made me, you know, feel even less confident of myself, Um, I had restless leg syndrome, uh, insomnia, crying at the drop of the hat. I just felt like I was in a numbed state on those antidepressants and I was getting worse instead of getting better Mm. for eight years. And it, it was, it was a really difficult time in my life and, and very hard for me to write about that time, but I thought it was really important to explain that, you know, antidepressants just weren't working for me. And maybe, you know, there was something else. And I have to say too, also in my heart, as I was going through that, I knew that there was something causing this to happen, that I wasn't naturally a depressed person. I didn't, you know, that wasn't who I was. There was something causing this. And I knew that in my heart. And that's why I continued to keep trying to find answers and going to different doctors. But as you know, Every time you go to another doctor, you're sitting there explaining your whole story again. And that is one of the most difficult things. You just over and over explain the same story. And it's very hard to do, especially when you're not making progress. (laughs) Yes, yes. I, I so appreciate you sharing that because... I know the women that are listening in today uh, that are are hurting and that are struggling and and not getting anywhere with their doctors are going to really appreciate and relate to how traumatic it is to constantly have to be telling your story over and over and over again and feeling like it's falling on deaf ears mm-hmm. and, and not getting compassion that you write about, that understanding. Even even if a doctor were to say, you know, I really don't know what's going on, but I care about you as my patient and I want to help. So let me do some research, which is their job to do, by the way, to continuously, as all practitioners, it's our job to educate ourselves, to learn and to grow and to look at the research. And I think the doctors that are willing to do that, even if they don't have an immediate answer or not quite sure what's going on, the ones that make that effort are the ones that have good relationships with their patients. A lot of our patients also have uh, massive digestive challenges that can create a lot of depression and anxiety on top of copper overload. I, I hope that also for the practitioners that are listening, that this is an encouragement to do maybe a deeper dive into research and look at more of a, a micromolecular, what we call micromolecular medicine approach looking at how the body responds to metals and to 
pathogens and outside invaders and also the genetic piece. I, I appreciate that about your journey. You, Deb, you never gave up. And like me, you know, we get pulled down and you always put one foot in front of the other. And I know your family has been with you throughout this entire process. What's that been like for them? And can you share with us a, a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, but I just want to, you know, reinforce that, that, you know, I would never suggest that anybody ever go off of their medications, you know, whatever's working yeah. for them, they need to do. It's just Certainly. for me, it wasn't working. So, you know, definitely uh, stick with what, you know, you're doing and um, go forward with how yeah, that helps. Um, but for my family um, at the time when I was going through this, it, it was really hard for them. They were worried about me. They had always seen me as this career-driven, successful HR professional who could multitask and, you know, really do anything in their eyes. And when they saw me starting to struggle to just get through the day, it, it scared them. They honestly didn't know what to do. They were hoping that the antidepressants would help at some point or that, you know, somehow I would miraculously, you know, snap out of it. They just didn't know what to do. They just knew this wasn't me. And honestly, you know, to this day, my mom just says, you know, she could just cry when she thinks about how I used to be. Yeah. Oh, I bet. It's yeah. heartbreaking watching a family member suffer and there appears to be no answer, no mm -hmm. matter what you do and what you try. And that's so defeating for anybody, let alone a, a mother watching her daughter struggle with this or a husband watching his wife struggle with this. And like you said, you're a, a very intelligent woman. You've been very successful in your career and in your life. And to just have this permeate and continue to snowball and get worse, do you ever wonder what's going on inside your body? What's happening to make you feel cranky, anxious, depressed, or lethargic? What chemicals might be aggravating your ADHD, OCD, or disordered eating? I'd love to help you get a head start on identifying and addressing the underlying condition that's leading you to feel less than your best. Get started by taking my free life assessment. It takes five minutes or less and it's a great place to begin understanding what your unique biochemistry might be. After you take my assessment, check out the corresponding cookbook I've created. Match your unique biotype to its cookbook with 25 recipes, including breakfast, lunch, dinner, appetizers, and desserts. You'll find a cookbook for each of the unique biotypes I work with, zinc deficiency, copper overload, over and under methylation, and pyrrole disorder. You'll also find a meal planner to make this process easy and enjoyable. My recipes are free of grains, gluten, dairy, with the exception of ghee, which can be substituted, refined sugar, nuts, and soy. Remember, to get started, go to eat4.life and click the free assessment tab at the top to start your healing journey today. How did you get on this path of figuring out that you had an issue with copper. And I know like me, you're also under methylated, but how did you, how did you kind of figure this out? Um, well, I had gotten to a point where I had had enough of the antidepressants. I wasn't going to do that anymore. They weren't helping. I knew they weren't helping. I was tired of being numbed and, and feeling like that, tired of feeling like I was crazy. 
And so I knew in my heart, I just kept feeling there's got to be an answer for this. And so I started searching on the internet and I had found these doctors that said that they treat anxiety and depression naturally. And I thought, well, let's give that a try. You know, I might as well, nothing to lose. So I contacted them and I told them my story, how each um, major hormone episode in my life kind of synced with my symptoms. And as I told them that, they said, well, without testing, we're pretty sure you have copper overload. And I remember staring at them saying, what? I've never heard of this copper. But then the results came back after I had the test done. And it did indicate, you know, that I had copper toxicity. And I have to say that at that moment, I kind of did a little happy dance inside. I I thought, wow, maybe I really found out what's happening here. And I had such great hope for it, you know, that this was the answer. Mm -hmm. And so they started me on um, nutrients for my chemistry to start to get the excess copper out. Mm -hmm. And then to also add in depleted zinc and, you know, to just to balance out all of the nutrients that got out of balance because my copper was so high. And it, um, they told me it would take about three to six months before I noticed any change. But for me, because I was still taking the hormone replacement at that time, it was a little bit longer. So it took a little longer to see some results and, you know, we had to make some adjustments along the way, but Mm. I have to say that it started every month. I started to feel better each month. I could, I could feel that I was, it was different and I was feeling better when I did get the results that all my levels were normal. I knew it because, you know, I, I felt balanced. I felt the difference. I guess that's kind of, um, oh, and then I realized too, along that journey that um, there's no magic pill, that Mm -hmm. these nutrients aren't going to do it by themselves. And so I started researching about copper and trying to understand what was going on in my body. And I read, you know, that copper increases with stress. So I started implementing stress reducing practices like meditation and exercise and, um, you know, getting better sleep and all the things that I could do. And then I had connected with you and I learned about, you know, what foods were high in copper and how to reduce my copper intake. And so the journey along the way was just constantly growing and evolving and making my system better. But I also want to mention here that um, it's all about balance. I really yes. believe it's all about balance and life ebbs and flows where stress is going to come in. We're not going to have control over stress in our life. It's going to happen. And an example of that is three years ago, my dad passed away suddenly and I had a tremendous amount of stress um, happening at that time. Mm-hmm. And when I went to see the doctors, they just said to me, what's going on in your life? They knew before I told them that I was having stress because my copper levels had gone up. And I just think that's just such a beautiful thing about testing is you can see it in black and white, you know, that that it's happening, what's happening within your chemistry. And, um, you know, it reveals versus the antidepressants where you're just guessing and you you don't know if you're you're taking something that's going to jive with your body chemistry or not. So, um, you know, we're all unique. And I felt that, you know, taking these nutrients really helped me get into balance. And, um, and, and it's been, you know, a great healing journey for me. I've, I've really come out of it um, mm. and didn't know that I could. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, you, you touched on so many different points there, Deb, that I'd like to expand on. And, and I appreciate you sharing there's no magic pill because I think our world the way it is today and I, you know, you and I both see this, especially on social media. We have influencers, we have Dr. Google, we have so much in our world today that says, here, just take this or do this self-help program and you're going to be perfect and healed and life is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so powerful to hear you say that everyone's healing time is different. And I agree. I don't want people to be turned off by, you know, a four-year healing period. I know for me, it took about a year and a half. You know, to your point, we're human and we experience stress and we, we live in a body on this planet at this period in time. And especially right now during this pandemic and it's an election year and we've got civil unrest and so many things going on. I think it's so crucial to just honor that journey. And it's not easy. And I, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I think we can have compassion and empathy and love for each other and also truth and grace and understanding that it is going to take time. Nutrients take time to penetrate the nucleus of the cell, whereas a, a medication is a Band-Aid approach. Mm -hmm. And it's worth the journey that waxing and waning, those ebbs and flows that you spoke of, because the end result is more clarity, more energy, better sleep. I mean, it, it's not just the emotional and, and, and the brain that we're talking about, the mind and the brain, but also the body, because there are so many physical symptoms uh, associated with copper toxicity, you know, just from chronic fatigue to, you know, again, the insomnia and the brain fog and so forth. There's so many components there. And I also appreciate, Deb, you speaking to the fact that it's important to look at a lifestyle approach to this, to healing. When I start working with someone new, how long is this going to take? And you've probably gotten questions like that, you know, as a result of people reaching out to you by sharing your story and your book. And, and the answer is, it depends. It depends. It really is going to depend on how you respond, what your levels are. Uh, you know, age is also a factor in that. As you shared you were also on hormone replacement therapy, and that was driving the copper up as well as the stress. Right. So we have to make sure that we're looking at all these different areas of our lives in, in that healing journey. One thing that I don't want to forget to ask you about is your menstrual cycle. And I, I believe you had mentioned endometriosis in your book. Can you speak more to that and share what that experience was like? For you, um, yeah, that's the whole reason I started birth control. I had such severe um, menstrual cycles, and my mom did too. But um, you know, old school, you know, you just treated it yourself, and so that's what we did. And there were times as a teen girl, I had such severe pain that I would lay on the floor with a heating pad. My mom would give me aspirin, and I'd put my feet up on the bed to try to relieve the pain, and it would take me out. I mean, literally, I was, you know, immobile for like a day. And there were times my dad had to pick me up at, from high school because I couldn't sit through class. The pain was just, just so severe. Yeah. But because my mom had the pain and she, you know, went through it and, and managed, you know, with her 
<laughs> strong will. <laughs> I thought that's what I had to do. So I had never seen a doctor. But then when I um, did finally see a, a gynae, he had said, you know, that it was endometriosis. And then he put me on birth control to, to help. And it did. It helped with the pain and it helped with the heavy flow. But then I had all those other awful, yes. you know, side effects with depression and anxiety that came with it. Yes, yes. Thank you. I, I, I work with a lot of young ladies with PCOS mm -hmm. and that's always the go-to. And all of them, every single one of them that I've tested is overloaded in copper and often ha they have pyrrole disorder, very, very high pyrroles, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to impact those uh, hormonal relationships, the relationship between estrogen, progesterone, and then testosterone and how that impacts insulin. It's, you, you know, again, just wanting to encourage people to think about going deeper, even if your doctor is not aware of this science, uh, aware of these biochemical issues, there are there is help and there is hope because we know that these conditions have a direct impact with these types of underlying chemistries. I don't want to end our time together without allowing you the opportunity to share something else. I just wanted to, to mention, you know, that it, it is a difficult journey. I mean, you have to be compliant um, and you have to really want to do it. It's like anything else, you know, I, I always refer to it. It's like um, uh, a diabetic taking di diabetes medication, but then eating all these sugars, you know? Yes, good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's wonderful. So for me, it's like, I know, I know what I have to do to keep me in balance um, and of course, you know, we have our cheat moments and we do those things because we're human and, and because it's okay once in a while. Yes. when you're in balance, you can do that. Um, <laughs> yes. But when, you, but when you actually have the healing and you see the difference, you know, without that extra excess copper disrupting my neurotransmitters, mm -hmm. um, I became more aware. And that in itself was just, you know, just an awesome feeling. And now as I continue on the second phase of my healing journey, I find myself thriving rather than surviving. Mm. And I'm more equipped to navigate through my emotions. So it's worth it. It's worth staying um, committed to wanting to get better and helping your health. And, um, and again, you know, I wrote the book so that others can see that it, healing is possible. I think anything is possible. I really believe that is true. And your story illustrates that on such a high level. Right. Thank you for having the courage to write this book, I See You Copper, and share your story with the world because there are definitely, and I, I cried throughout the whole book <laughs> um, because I so resonated with you and your story. And, you know, we had some similar experiences that things that had happened to us in our life and, you know, a, a trauma piece that's, that's very common among a lot of the women that have uh, uh, copper overload and some of the other chemistries that we work with. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Mensa and Dr. Bowman both told me that when I told them my story, they said, you're lucky to be alive. And I, and I knew that. And I just cried when I was in their office. I knew that at that time, you know, similar to you, you know, I, you, I was yeah. at the hands of fate a couple of times. So Absolutely. yeah. I know so many women are contemplating suicide because they feel like they're literally they literally want to jump out of their skin. That's that's a phrase actually that I hear a lot 
when I'm working with someone, I just want to jump out of my skin. I, I, I have mm-hmm. so much anxiety. My cycles are off. I'm not sleeping. I got these constant yeast infections. I have this chronic fatigue that I, I just don't know whether I'm coming or going. And it's understandable that someone would want to check out when everything is impaired. The mm-hmm. thinking process, the feeling process, the physical act of being in a body and having chronic pain. You know, fibromyalgia is something else that's connected to copper overload. And that is a chronic and very painful condition. And that's why this conversation is so important. I just, I can't say this enough. I think that love and grace and truth in, a, in the process is, is incredibly healing. So with that being said, thank you so much, Deb. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I love how open and honest Deb is about her journey. Deb no longer suffers from fatigue, depression, or OCD. She has minimal anxiety and best of all, no drug side effects. All along, she had a treatable condition that doesn't respond to antidepressants. As a survivor of copper toxicity, Deb shares her story to create awareness and provide hope to others who are suffering unnecessarily. You can read more about her emotional journey and the lessons she's learned in her book, I See You Copper, which is available at debtogars.com. Don't miss an episode of Eat for Life. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player.